Running Wild with Christine, Sex, Success, and Other Slippery Rabbit Holes. Episode 9, Politics and Sex, A Lesson in Honesty and Compassion. Hello and welcome to Running Wild with Christine. You know who I am and what I do by now, so let's just um, jump into today's wonderful starter point for our rabbit hole. Today I'm here with Chris Erickson, Professor of Political Science at UBC and as of recently a Certified Tantric Practitioner with the Institute of Authentic Tantra Education in Vancouver, BC. Hi Chris! Hi, how are you? I am great, (laughs) how are you? I'm wonderful, I'm wonderful. Lovely. So Chris and I met through a class I took, through many classes I took at UBC. Um, do you want to give us a bit of a of a sort of introduction to the classes that you teach? And yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've been teaching, uh, well, I teach first through fourth year. Uh, my interest is in uh, political theory, largely, uh, political philosophy. And I look at some more unorthodox stuff. Yes, um, you do. Postmodern theory and things like that. Um, and and so a number of the courses that I teach, I'll teach like an introduction to political theory that operates through a children's story. Um, I teach uh, yep. a course on ethics and world politics. I teach a course on the use of fear as a political tool. Um, I just got done with teaching a, a fourth-year seminar on um, – sacred texts across to, uh, across um the major religions uh, on the planet did you and that was really, that was really interesting <laughs> that was really interesting but one of the things that I'm, I'm most interested in is the idea of taking getting a good grasp on where our community currently is yeah. um and, and i mean that like on a human scale not just on a on an individual or nationalistic scale but where the human mm-hmm. community is at the moment um and then sort of coming up with strategies and plans of, of how to take it to what might be considered the next level, or at least to uh, get around some of the issues and problems that we continually face. Um, yes. And that, to me, means you got to go down and question some of the baseline, deep-level philosophical stuff that the whole structure is built on. Yep. Um, yeah, so it can be challenging, it can be fun, it can, as you say, create headaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's that's what I thank you for in my acknowledgments in the book, is the endless headaches of like, wait, that's an assumption, what do we do with assumptions? Oh crap, now I've got to like reconsider everything I've said, how I've said it, why I said it this way, what does that imply, and oh. But as much as I um, can be very sort of tired with the process sometimes, it's essential to the way that I structure how I write and how I think and how I discuss stuff with people. So I have you to thank for some of that. <laughs> well, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we talked about this in the third episode with my friend, uh, Matthew. He was, he was like, yeah, like all this time discussing long dead white guys. I was like, yeah, I know when that started. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But um, recently also, so you got into Tantra through your wife. Yeah, through my wife, yes. Um, my wife, Davy Ward Erickson. Um, yes. I'm very proud to put that last Hyphen, little bit yeah. on her name. Um, uh, she has uh, established the first uh, accredited school for Tantra in North America. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, and uh, tantra is interesting, particularly the Western version of it. Um, 
for for a lot of people it means incense and a hand job and that's <laughs> and that's it's 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 a heck of a lot more than that that's for sure uh, it's uh it's um what she teaches is is based in the uh tibetan buddhist tradition yeah and so this is stuff that's 2600 years old um that's that's like it, it comes from a long lineage tradition mm-hmm. uh, it's not just new agey let's make dolphin sounds and save the world right it's <laughs> I could totally it's, see you in uh, that kind of environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um the best way that I can describe it, it is that it is the the most effective cognitive behavioral therapy that I have ever encountered. It is absolutely remarkable. Um the way that I would describe it is that as human beings, and I'm sure that you your listeners will resonate with this, <laughs> as human beings we all carry trauma of yeah. some form or another with us, yeah. uh, whatever it is. And in, in our culture, a lot of that trauma happens to be sexual. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're living in a society, it's certainly in North America, where the norm, and this, I mean, that's, it, it just appalls me to say this, but yeah. the norm is that by the time women reach the age of 19, one out of four has been sexually assaulted. Yeah. And we treat that as normal. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah. Um, and so what this does is it, it kind of gets you back in touch with and reintegrates um, that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get started. And once you get started, it just kind of takes you for a ride, um, <laughs> which, is, which is really uh, quite amazing. To be yeah. perfectly honest, it's it's remarkable. Like the differences that it's made uh, in my life, the differences that it's made in the lives of people that I see go through, say, the program or or whatever else, is just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's I have no words for it. I mean, to see people uh, doing simple things like looking into someone else's eyes, yeah, and yeah, within a minute, just being in absolute tears, saying nothing, just looking into somebody else's eyes. Well, this because think, we're so devoid of that connection. We are, and I think we've discussed this once over drinks. Is that the the society we live in is one that's sort of devoid of the moment. Like, although everything is focused on the intensity of the moment and, every, and getting everything right away and having that instant gratification on everything, it paradoxically just takes away the moment entirely because we're constantly yeah. in seven, eight different. Uh, parts of our brain or or stimulated from different angles and then that moment of just sitting still and being present in a moment with or without someone is not cultivated oh yeah well as a matter of fact uh the the line that my wife uses all the time is meditate before you masturbate (laughs) (laughs) and it gets you it gets you really focused um and quite literally these are like actual meditation practices that get you focused in the moment and then you can focus on cultivating what does it feel like to actually feel pleasure as opposed to just going through the motions of like bodies colliding or something like that um what is it what does it feel like to actually feel pleasure what is the what are the emotional qualities to that yeah where are those emotions coming from why do they look the way that they look and then you can just kind of let them dissolve yeah. After a little bit. It, it's, it's a really remarkable process. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying yes, because I'm like, I want to know more about what it looks like <laughs> one day, one day. But, um, but what really interested me is that um, when we were discussing sort of your uh, process of going through the, the course and then, and then relating it back to what we 
looked at in your classes, a lot of it, yeah. a lot of it is the same. A lot of it is the same core issues and the same uh, external um, symptoms and the same potential solutions. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, following the news, um, there was a, a, a guy in Toronto mm-hmm. that uh, just hit and killed you know, 10, 11 people, yeah. right? Uh, just yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And what we've found out about the guy so far, or at least what's being published about the guy so far, is that he's described himself as, what was the term that he used? Incel, uh, which is to say involuntarily celibate. And he cited a guy in California that was went on a rampage a couple of years ago and, and killed six or seven people um, because of the idea that women wouldn't sleep with him. So he was now on the breaking point and went out and killed a bunch of people. And you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's First of all, there's an immense amount of, uh, uh, what's the best word, male privilege yeah. in that. Like, how dare you not sleep with me? Never mind the fact that I'm not conscious about my own sexuality or that I know anything about what I'm doing or that I'm even a decent person. Um, but I'm a man, so you should sleep with me. And it's yeah. like, no, uh-uh. it doesn't work like that. And um, so this speaks to, this if, speaks to the level if, of, of this woman, is a topic that we're not permitted to discuss. No. Uh, and, and how much frustration and stress that, that puts with it. It's interesting to note that historically – uh, po- the politically most violent societies have also been the most sexually repressed societies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just going to put a sort of uh, um, brackets in there. Like if every woman who was sexually unhappy was going on a violent spree, like you imagine the society we'd have if like conversely that was a habit. <laughs> oh my God. Well, the, here's, here's a basic fact. Um, the average male in bed last two to seven minutes. Yes, I'm aware. Women, <laughs> yeah, women can take as much as 40 minutes to get primed. Yeah. Right? And so it's, if it's like, hey, you get the consent, this is on, let's go, and he goes, jackhammer, and yeah. he's done, and you're like, um, are we started now? Or I mean, yeah. there's big disconnects there, and, and so you've gotta, we've got to address that. And again, that's, it's more than just a sexual thing. Exactly. Um, it gets expressed in the sexuality, but it's a, it's a, Hey, I'm a guy. I can take whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the, what's the statement? Women, women learn about relationships through romantic comedies and men yeah. learn about relationships through porn. porn. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because it, that resonated, uh, really immensely with me when I was talking to Madison James, um, the escort in London, he was, saying how a lot of uh, clients he was working with were women who needed so much more than just a shag. He was like, he didn't want to actually do the job for that. Like, that's not how his model functions. And I find that really interesting how, you know, the assumptions behind escorting and all of that, but actually like what a woman is willing to actually go outside of her marriage for whatever reason that she's staying in her marriage or, or, you know, choosing to do this on her own. Um, to pay for someone to actually listen and do the things that she even herself is not sort of articulated that she needs or wants or or whatever yeah. that's like just one of the symptoms of of how it how unable and unwilling we are to discuss those things as individuals 
Absolutely. And the thing is, I, I, I think like even politically, if we were able to untangle the trauma that we've got around our own sexuality, about the, about the fact that we are embodied yeah. beings, yeah. right? Um, I, you know, from within, within um, certain aspects of the Buddhist tradition, um, every orgasm is a glimpse of enlightenment. So, I, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you think about the last orgasm you had, you're not thinking, oh, did I do the dishes? Did I lock the door? You know, you're, you're, no, you're that's, the, that. that's the one time like when you're not doing that. <laughs> it's like you're, you're in the moment. You are yeah. present in the moment. And, and it's this massive, expansive uh, blissfulness. Yeah. Right? And I think and it comes that, to – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that that there's a tremendous amount of energy in that, mm-hmm. like a huge amount of energy. And if you could contain that energy, if you could use it for something, yeah. what would you do with it? Yeah. And that's, right? what, that's exactly and, what Madison said. He was like, there was a lot of, uh, practice within, uh, what, what was the word that he used? Um, sexual transmutation, I think is the word that uh, he used and sort of using that energy and, and recognizing that it's a source of energy like any other source of energy within our beings is, I mean, unless you're having these conversations without particular settings, within particular settings and particular communities and particular um, social circles that you went and looked for, when are you having these conversations in society? You're just not. No, no. It, it's funny because as human beings, we have, we're embodied obviously. Yeah. And we have the body comes with certain needs, like you got to eat, you got to yeah. sleep, and you you got to have sex at some point or another. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a controversial statement, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would um, not disagree. <laughs> I, I, if not true on the individual level, it's at least true on the species level, yeah. or the species would not survive. Um, exactly. And so here's the thing: we can we can go out for coffee with somebody and say, "Oh, I had the best sleep last night. Oh, it was awesome." Yeah. And we can go out and say, "Oh, I had the best meal last night. Oh, the food was magnificent." But when do you go out, you know, with a friend over coffee and say, "I had the best sex last night. It was amazing." I do that all okay. the time, but people think I'm weird, so you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's but it's just basic. It's basic human existence stuff. Yes. And for some reason, it's like, no, 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 we can't talk about that. And I mean, this goes back into, I think it's because there's, there's a long-term recognition that, that I mean, you don't want to talk about dead white guys. Um, <laughs> like Plato recognizes that, that the sexual passions are the strongest and the most insane. Yeah. So... And, and so, yes, you can do some really ridiculous stuff. And when this stuff is bottled up and it pops out, yeah. there's some nutty things that happen. <laughs> But if you can control it and, and focus it, then all of a sudden you can you – can, and, and the thing is if you can do that with sexuality, you can do that with anything. Yeah. That's the, this is where Tantra goes beyond the sex, for example. Yeah. You focus on the sexuality. You control yourself there, and you can, you can control – yourself anywhere <laughs> yeah i mean like in- yeah i totally understand that progression from just like this is the one part where you're supposed to not control sort of that's what society tells you it's like the secret the non sort of the one thing that just happens and you're not supposed to sort of be rational about it and if you are like there's like a there's a weird 
um, contradiction there, that it's the one thing that isn't rational, therefore love is blind kind of expressions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it cannot be discussed, it cannot be out in the open, it has to be a secret, it has to be shameful most of the time. Yeah, and, and at the same time, porn is a multi-billion dollar industry. I don't under, this is exactly what I don't I struggle to understand. Like the sex industry is so vast and massive and great like in terms of, you know, um the health side, the writing side, the whichever side you want to talk about, sex toys, whatever. And none of them are even close to coming in comparison with the porn industry, which arguably has the least to do with sex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, absolutely. As you know, I have a son who's 19 and And, uh, uh, I've had this conversation with him. I'm like, just be aware of the fact that, that most men learn about what sex is through porn. And that is not it. What did you say? Not what it looks like. He was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. I'm like, I know you don't, but you're going to. Oh my gosh. I had the converse. I went, uh, my mom was working for, um, this movie festival in Switzerland. That's, uh, typically documentaries. And I went to watch a movie called touch me not, which is a sort of docu movie about intimacy. But it's a little fictionalized and it has a bunch of different storylines and you're investigating this woman's intense trauma about being touched and being uh, physical with anyone. And so through that, the director sort of leads her in different situations where she's investigating that through touch therapy, through escorting, through whatever. Yeah. And there's this graphic scene of Shibari in a fetish club and my mother's sitting next to me and there's this really graphic sort of upside down hanging from a ceiling cunnilingus scene. And my mom's just sitting there appalled. She like will not, she, <laughs> I think she's making noises, but she's, un, she's unaware. She's just like, doesn't know what to do with herself. And, yeah. and we come out of the movie and I'm like, um, so are you okay? She's like, that was disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, okay <laughs> i'm like well you know it comes from this like japanese art of like rope blah 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 and she's like i don't care <laughs> i don't want to know yeah. this has nothing to do with me and i was like why can't you even have the conversation we're not asking i'm not asking you to get like tied up by anyone <laughs> this isn't like why is it so difficult to understand that other people have other wants and and especially within a family setting i'm like you made me that way like, no, maybe not that way but like sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, this, this is the whole thing is that uh, what, what's interesting is that on, on the one hand, you've got a documentary about a person's healing journey. And, uh, and then in the audience, that's going to trigger some stuff. Oh, yeah. It was right? warning that's, signs everywhere. It was like triggering documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to trigger some stuff. And so the, the fact that you responded so harshly to it is chances are there was something somewhere yeah. that was triggering her. And, and if she's like most women in this society, she's probably had experiences of sexual violence. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and it makes sense that that would bring it to the forefront. And it would make her ridiculously uncomfortable. Uh, plus, her, you know, it, the fact that she's sitting there watching this with her daughter. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and there's all the social conditioning that goes into that scene. I mean, yeah, that's got to, that had to be a tough moment for her. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, and it, it was, really did. It was very strange because I was trying to unpack it and be like, this doesn't have to be sort of a traumatic moment. I'm not traumatized. Um, I can talk this through with you if you'd like. I have more resources on most of these topics than you do. For, yeah. for reasons that, you know, my book, which she's sort of getting around to understanding, 
And, uh, and, and it was funny that, you know, like sort of probably like your son, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, this is like not something I'm ready to do. And I was like, okay, maybe another time, mom, <laughs> one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, slowly, gently, right. Yeah. And you move forward, like with anything else, it's, you move forward with consent and you move forward with patience and you move forward with connection. Yeah. Um, and you know, if somebody's like, no, that's a no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it stops. It's that simple. And that, that's true in, that's true in, in sexual intimacy, obviously. Yeah. But it's also true when you're dealing with a situation that is, that is touchy. Yeah. Um, that, you know, pardon the pun, I guess, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, when you're dealing with a situation that clearly has triggered somebody, you don't want to just plow into it and like, no, you're going to shut up and listen. You, you have to pay attention. Yeah. Now, that doesn't give that person the right to shut everything down either. No, no. Right? But I mean, that's also something that, you know, I don't understand people who try and force that sort of like, you're going to listen attitude because no, like yeah. if, if I, I, I don't, I've yet to meet a human being that when they've decided they don't want to do something, you yelling is going to help or like you yeah, tying exactly. them to a chair. Like that's just, no, <laughs> they just, yeah. they, I wonder why the self-awareness isn't there in those sort of primer, prime basic moments of just like, would you? respond well to that probably not so therefore well this is this gets to the idea of um as a society we we uh almost treat empathy like a joke we do like it's like it's some hippy dippy whatever woolly fuzzy new agey thing and it's yep. like no uh, <laughs> empathy is the is really the core of our existence as human beings yeah. um you know imagine if a mother didn't have some empathy for her child where would any of us be if that was the case? We'd, we'd be like Hobbesian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would. It would be like, yeah, it totally would be like a Hobbes state of nature war of all against all, which is, which is, hey, if you're writing in the middle of a civil war, yeah, it probably looks like that. <laughs> um, but other times it doesn't and it doesn't have to. And, yeah. and so this idea of, of empathy, of being able to put put yourself in someone else's place and, and to feel what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just to imagine that is, is that's a good place to start. Like even just to imagine that. And, and I think that that's a really, that's a really critical thing that we need to do as a society as, as a whole. And, and it can begin anywhere. Yeah. It can begin anywhere. So like, you know, one of the things that I look at is, is uh, terrorism and, and violence. Yeah. And, and I make this point that people don't do that because there's nothing on Netflix that day. <laughs> you know? They don't do it because oh, I'm kind of bored. It's Tuesday, you know, whatever. That's that's not the motivation. Uh, the motivation is often isolation and yeah. pain, yeah. and having a real um, uh, a real complaint that no one's listening to, yeah. or that re- that people like actually you can even refuse to listen to. Yeah. And so that is uh, that's a problem that I think we need to learn to address. Absolutely. We need to understand that what, the way that we do things has repercussive effects. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to get to. I remember when we were talking about this in class, I can't remember which class of yours it was, but probably fear. Um, we were discussing how the lack of empathy following a terrorist event or something like that, and the, the reflex to go straight into hate, more hate and more violence towards the... Yeah quote-unquote perpetrators of said incident it just furthers more and more this 
awful feedback loop that if you were just stop and realize that someone who did that didn't do that out of boredom, but did that out of what you are about to redo to someone else, that yeah. empathy, that sort of, that, that lack of empathy is at the core of, of just furthering an existing problem. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, that with our own pain, our own trauma, we set up all kinds of psychological barriers around it. And so they, so as you drill down towards it, the tendency is, is for, is for that intention for that, for that drill bit, if you will, to get deflected and diverted off into other things. The, the trick is how do you keep it on target? How do you, how do you, because that's, there's a really hard shell around a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And, and so how do you drill through it? And sometimes, sometimes you do drill around it in order to, in order to, to see what it is and what its shape is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then you've got to focus and get right through that hard shell. As soon as you do, it cracks open. Um, that's, that's difficult. That's hard. That can, uh, like on an individual yeah. basis, that can, that can hurt. But with support, with people that are there to listen and to, and to you know, just be with you in that moment – um, you can break through it. You can break yeah. through any of it. And I think that was, and, that's, that's what we were, I think we discussed it once that was the acceptance of vulnerability as, as a positive, as a strength, oh, and yeah. not as the weakness yeah, that we consider it as. And that's like, I, that was at the core of why I, why I wrote the book, because I, I wrote a blog for years without ever thinking that it would, you know, be anything else. And the, the moment that sort of triggered me into taking it more seriously was that outpour of, of strangers confessing their deepest, darkest to me because something triggered them in my writing to want to share a part of their life. And I was like, wait, why don't you have someone in your life to say this to? Like, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm honored that you want to share it with me, but also I'm a little concerned yeah. that that's the only place where you can share it. Like, why... If, if it took me being vulnerable for someone else to find it okay to be vulnerable, then like, let's just all be more vulnerable if we can, if we're in a place that that's a, a, a work that we are willing to undertake. Like I was willing to undertake it. So I was like, okay, it might seem like I'm just talking about my life, but actually there's a greater purpose in telling you all the shitty stuff and all the good stuff and all the crazy wow. stuff is that it's all the same thing. And we most likely all yes. have the same sides. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the process of being an integrated human being is it's the part of the greatness is the shittiness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, it, you know, like the, the there's a the statement coming out of, of some of the, some of the Buddhist texts of the obstacle is the path. Yeah. So it's not an obstacle in the path. It is the path. Yeah. And so how you deal with, um, negativity how you deal with Mistakes. obstacles how you deal with blockages how you deal with the stuff that triggers you is the path through which you heal yeah and and that's really important and i think that you know again just listening to what to what you were saying about this vulnerability politically we run into this all the time like how how do we how do we harden these targets how do we make ourselves more secure you know how you make yourself more secure by admitting how insecure you are yeah that's how you do it And it starts literally on a personal level, and then it transcends from the individual out into your local community, into your group of circle of friends, who then interact with a different circle of friends, and it just gets bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And eventually, the politicians catch up. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, this is this is what I think uh, needs to happen at this point is um, sort of a reconsideration of what vulnerability is, and yeah. it's not a weakness. No, it's not a weakness. No, and the, 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 taking the line that I have no vulnerabilities that's that's weaker than saying no. Here they are. Yeah, you know exactly. what, what's, what's the line from Nietzsche? What are my parasites to me? Let them thrive. I'm strong enough for them. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> but um, but no, it is, and and it's it's a very. I understand that the work is hard. Like I'm not saying that it's an easy process and that it works quick. That it's a quick fix. But our intention of finding quick fixes and putting plasters on things is the problem. Yeah. And so, yeah. it's just. I think that this is why the whole talking in circles sometimes about the same topics is actually helpful because maybe one day someone will just, I guess that's probably how you feel in first year classes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know why the analogy came to me. <laughs> it's appropriate. <laughs> I'm just like one day someone's going to get it and then they're going to make someone else get it and someone else is going to get it through them and all of that yep. stuff. But I think the the analogy that we we were like what, what do we want to talk about and it's like politics and sex what's the common you know denominator and then we're like we have all, yeah. all, all of it <laughs> yeah like they're it's all common <laughs> it's one and the same um but um but yeah i don't know if there's, was there something that we missed is there something we should be saying on top of this <laughs> No, I think I think it's more just um, one of the things that I do want to observe. I've been teaching for a long time now, yeah. and one of the things that I'm noticing is this particular generation, like your generation as opposed to my generation, mm-hmm. um, is sh- is sharper in some ways. Like you, you, I, you guys seem to get it quicker than my generation does. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm considered to be a Generation X person, right? And, and a lot of times my generation is very much like, yeah, I need a good job, so I have a good car and a nice house. Yeah. And that's it. That's like, and that's, that's the full extent of it. Yeah. And what I see, uh, what I see amongst people in their, in their twenties and, and in, even into their early thirties at this point yeah. is a generation of, of seekers, uh, a generation of people like, wait, this isn't, this isn't totally working for me. Right. What can I do differently? Yeah. Why does it have to look like this? Couldn't it look some other way? And I think that, like, I'm an optimist anyway, but <laughs> that is profoundly powerful for me. Like, when I see that, I'm just like, oh, yes, it's starting to work. <laughs> no, but honestly, and I was I was discussing this with, uh, I can't remember who recently, but I found that it was sort of this, like, weird... Um, there's many generations, like in, in between sort of, what did they call it? Generation Z or whatever, millennials. And then the teen, people in their teens right now is like little gaps and differences. But I, I was like, well, I can only speak for my own. Like I'm definitely in the middle of millennials, uh, in that I didn't grow up with technology, but it sort of was part of like, it, it grew with me. Um, and, um, the, Fact is that the world that we have now in our late 20s, early 30s is so, so profoundly different from the one that we were raised in that it cannot work. Like there is no way that you're like, yes, I'm going to do what my mom said and have the same job for 30 years. Like that doesn't exist Uh anymore. Even if you wanted to, you can't. And so 
exactly. It, that th- all of those things are are you know same thing with relationships. Like even if you did want to get married, that's too traditionalist. If you don't want to get married, well, why go so far in the extremes? And like nothing is the right solution according to yeah. what we've been taught. So we're all like, well, that just leaves me to figure out what the hell is right for me because none of yeah. my choices are going to be quote unquote the right choice according to who I'm speaking to. And so exactly. I, think, I think that's where that comes from. But at the same time, it can be a little detrimental in that we're all so lost that we, if we don't communicate, it's extremely dangerous. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the communication is, is critical. Our language is one of the things that marks us as human beings. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I was, just, I was just mentioning that I just did this course on, on uh, uh, sacred text from uh, the major religions, and all of them share in common um, something about the voice. So, for example, in the Bible, God says, let there be light, and there's light. Uh, Allah says, be, and everything is. Uh, Krishna opens his mouth, and the universe spills out of it, right? Or or in the Buddhist tradition, the the universal sound of Om, that is the fundamental creation of everything, right? And so the communication and creation... Like language taps us directly into our divinity, into our creative potency, mm-hmm. right? And so we need to learn to use our language, whether it's asking for what you want, um, and, and like in a in a in a in a sexual situation, that's yeah. a difficult thing to do at yeah. first. We're we're never taught to do that. Um, it, like to say, oh, okay, could you, could you, you know, touch me a little bit lighter there or a little more pressure here, or, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, just learning to do those basic forms of communication is really critical and it changes everything. So mm-hmm. it's like, as I was mentioning before, as I've, as I've figured out through the Tantra, yes, learn how to do that in bed, but then out in the, in the working world say, I would like to be paid this much rather than that much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And it's the same, it's the same skill. It is. It's the same. It's the same skill. And to go back to what you were saying of realizing the potency of it, when you are speaking and you are not conscious of what you are asking for and what you're saying, it's sort of just like something that you do. Um, we laughed uh, about this part of my book when we last saw each other. Is that I realized I was reading what I wrote like years ago, and I was in an unhappy place in Vancouver, in an unhappy relationship, completely unaware that this is where I was. Uh, in my relationship, I knew that I didn't like my job and stuff. And I sort of wrote this this blog post out of my heart that I was like, oh, I just want to be like on a, on a patio somewhere in a nice flowy skirt, um, somewhere on the sea, uh, waiting for my bohemian life to unfold kind of thing. Yeah. And I read this two years later and I'm sitting on a frail patio chair in a flowy skirt in the south of France out yeah. of the relationship that I was unhappy in, even if he was mentioned in the vision, he was sort of like a side note. And I was like, holy crap, I asked for this. Yes. <laughs> I asked for oh, this place weird. that I didn't yeah. see coming. And if it wasn't in writing, I would have never been aware that I actually asked for this. And I know how much I repeated that around me. I repeated that in the conversations. I was like, I'm unhappy. This is, where, this is not where I want to be. This kind of place is where I want to be. And then two years later, I find myself there being like, how did I get here? Like, what? Oh, wait, there is actually a mechanism here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, now imagine, imagine doing that self-consciously yeah. all the time, right? I mean, if you think about it, we get what we ask for. 
the problem is most of us don't know what it is that we're asking for. Yeah, and we don't recognize it. Like, yeah. Yeah, like we say, I want to win a lottery. Well, we've just asked to want to win the lottery. That's not the same thing as winning the lottery. Yeah. We've just uh, we put ourselves in it. We'll, yeah, I, it worked because I still want to win the lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so true and it's something about, you know, um, like you were saying, actually learning how to use that voice and realizing that, that your voice is, is it works, <laughs> you know, it does what you think it would do if you used it. And then yeah. when you use it, be conscious of being using it. That's not correct grammatically, but you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like of the act of using it. And then, um, and then once, I don't want to say once it happens because it's like an ongoing thing that doesn't end, but like at each sort of stop in time, realize that there is a sort of, uh, what's the word in English? Um, like, uh, I say that there's like moments where like you're, I guess a crossroads is an okay expression to use, but, um, but those moments of like crossroads in, in, in my life up until now, cause I had to read them and edit them. I'm like, I have made zero decisions. Like I'm really lucky yeah. with where I am now because it was always something steering me and I never went, huh, okay, I'm going to stop, take this moment, think about it and yeah. like really listen. No, it was like someone said, and I was like, actually, that's true. Like, thank God I communicate things to others who can mirror it back to me because otherwise I would never have actually listened to myself, which is something yes. I'm trying to do now. But like, that process is not something that you get taught. No. No, often you, you don't, and, and you have to wonder, like, why are you not taught it? I think that, um, you know, we're living in a society that actively disempowers us. And I think that, I think that this, is, this is an element of human freedom. What you call what did that moment of crossroads um, is a moment of pure freedom. Where do I go from here? Yeah. Right? I have these many, the options are obvious, where do I go? Yeah. That's also a really good time to sit back and appreciate where you've been. Yeah. Um, you know, we think, like our minds are going constantly, all of us, um, and it's estimated, I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of thoughts in a day, and it's estimated that well over 80% of them are negative. What, what would happen if you could change that ratio a bit? Yeah. Right? What would, what would your life look like if, if you could acknowledge and appreciate yourself and the people around you yeah. as opposed to saying, oh, it's all bad, it's all horrible, it's all the, right? What if you could it's switch that ratio around so that now you've got, you've got positive flowing through that? Um, I know that for me, it's made a massive difference in, in sort of what my life actually looks like. Yeah. Like, you, well, I mean, you've met my wife, right? And <laughs> how did I get there? <laughs> Your wife is really awesome. So, yeah. Life is really awesome. What can I say? I it's, mean, I'm, I'm surprised that you're surprised because, you know, we're always sort of, as ourselves, we're like, how did I land that? But it's like, actually, she's probably yeah. just as lucky, you know, if you <laughs> flip the, the ratio. But <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm finding, too, is, is that, like, I realized, like, my own self-image was just awful for years. Like, t ridiculously bad. And, and now that I'm looking at it, like, why was it so bad? Yeah. Like, what reason did I have to be thinking all those horrible things about myself? And, and they're just, they're just not there. But it's, it's a mirror thing too, because you're getting that back from, you're surrounding yourself with people who have the same issues 
and that yeah. aren't opening up those doors to do the work. Like I am amazed at my life in these last couple of months, just because I, like you said, I'm in a moment of freedom. I can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone. Um, and I am, I'm just thankful for moments because I know that I'm traveling and nothing is permanent. And so there is no sort of like big, heavy things weighing, but, yeah. but as a side effect, I'm just, I come across as that. And then people in front are mirroring that back and saying, actually yeah. in this circumstance with this person, I don't have to be afraid of tomorrow of the consequences of the vulnerability. Yeah. Like I'm like, Oh, my secrets are on the internet. Go for it. Go find them. If you want them, like, there's no reason for me to be yeah. self-conscious anymore. <laughs> um, so that mirroring image is just so powerful. Yeah. And I think back of those days in Vancouver when I was like, what the hell? This life sucks. I hate where I am. I hate what I'm doing. Of course I was, I was, even perpetuating that cycle because that's what I was giving to people. Yeah. So when you go for coffee with someone who is constantly negative about, you know, not so important things about the little things that can easily be changed, you're going to be also like, oh, this person is annoying. So you're not going to yeah. want to be like, but you're that's great. True. Like it's going to be fake. There's no genuine positivity in there. Yeah. That's also an opportunity to like, cause of having, having been in conversations like that, probably, well, a lot of them, uh, but now that I've changed my mind about things in a moment like that, I'm like, well, what makes you think that? Yeah. Right. Why does it have to look like this? Couldn't it look like some other thing? Yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, this is this is the, the value of, of language and and uh, our, sort of our cognitive abilities as, as human beings, our, our, our awareness is that we can look at the same stuff and interpret it completely differently There's like no I look back right at answer. the traumas that happened in my life that scarred me for years and now I look at them like oh no wait that was actually just something that shaped me to be where I am now yeah yeah and that's all that that was exactly and I'm like oh okay so all the emotions just kind of drop away from it I'm like oh you know I'm actually as much as it sucked I'm kind of have some gratitude for it no but and exactly that's the last line of my book is thank you to the person who I thought for years ruined my life. I was like, you, your decision made my life shitty. And then I was like, yeah. wait a minute, no. Like, yeah, it was shitty for a little bit, of course. But then, then now I'm here and I would yeah. never be here if you hadn't made that decision. So I can only say thank you for you making that decision because now I'm here. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, can, I can relate a million episodes that are just like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that are just like, thanks for, thanks for putting me through that. <laughs> you know, I think it's never something that you want to put someone through either. It's most of the time something that you're going through that ripples. Yeah. Like if, yeah, if we're the opposite people. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, you know, it, it's, uh, the more I do this stuff, the, the, the easier it gets and the more profound the results get. And that's, that's the really, truly amazing thing about, uh, just being to, to use sort of an overused term mindful yeah. uh, about what you're doing and, 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 and whether it's, whether it's in a, a sexual or a non-sexual relationship, mindfulness is the key to all of it. It's the key to all of it. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's remarkable the difference that it can make. Yeah. Like we really do live in lives that we project out from ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the advice I would say is take a look at your life um, and what's going on in your life. And what does that say about you? Yeah. And 
Then from there, imagine what it would be like to have the things that you really want. To, to like all those like, oh, I wish I had this. I wish instead of I wish I had this. Im, just imagine what it would be, what it would be like, feel like, to actually have all of those things and just feel that. Mm-hmm. And that feeling itself, the mind is weird. So that <laughs> feeling itself, the mind will be like, oh yeah, I I must have done that, and therefore it goes about making the situation so that yeah. it did. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like if you want to be rich, what would it feel like to be rich? Not just like, oh, I'd have all this stuff, but actually like feel it like in your body. Yeah. What would it feel like to wake up and be in a huge, comfortable place that you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Right. And your mind says, oh, I must have already done that. So I'm the type of person that gets rich easily. Yeah. And then everything you do, it just, you know, whatever. But it. Uh, that's a silly example, but no, but I mean, um, it's, I, I, and I can totally relate because I keep, when people kept asking me over the last few months, like, what do you hope to accomplish with your book? I'm like, this is such a stupid question. I just needed things to come out of me and they did. And now I, I guess I'm still like going down that path, but like, I don't hope yeah. to accomplish. I mean, I've accomplished the thing that I hoped to accomplish. Um, yeah. but at the same time I kept giving this answer of like, well, I just wanted to create conversations. That's what I wanted to yeah. do. I wanted to be a, a, like a, maybe a reason that someone turns around to their friend and goes, actually, I'm reading this book that talks about being, not having orgasms. And, and so I am finally feeling comfortable telling you that I am not having orgasms for whatever reason. Like that, that was sort of the intended consequence. But I kept wording it like, I just want to have, I just want it to be a conversation like, something that creates conversations and look what I'm doing right now. (laughs) It's so funny. Exactly. Exactly. In in my wife's situation, she, a number of years ago said, look, I, all I want to do is teach meditation and get paid for it. And that's what she does. Yeah. And, and she's, and she does it exceptionally well. (laughs) And, and it's like what, what, where we set our intention, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what happens. What what you were talking about this sort of what do you want to accomplish by your book? The 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 description that you just gave me sounds like what the Buddhists would call non-attachment, and yeah. it's a very healthy way to be. It's like <laughs> no, it's I I don't know. It's just this is what's happening, and that's <laughs> it. And it's it's actually a really healthy way to be because you're not aiming for something that's yet to come and needs to be a certain way. And if it's not that way, you're disappointed, and you know, it, uh, you just let that go. You be in the moment and, and you sort of work forward from there. And it's, it's, yeah. it's intensely powerful. It is. And it's so easy to get caught up. Like I, it still happens to me all the time. Like every, like every couple of weeks I'm fine. And then every couple of weeks I'm like, Oh my God, the abyss. I have no idea what I'm going. There are so many roads. I don't think they're roads anymore. They're just like a black hole of nothing. Oh yeah. But if you step back and think about it, you've done that before. Yeah. Right? Tons. Yeah. And so the fact that you've done it before, you're like, Oh wait, I did that before and I got through it. So this one, what makes me think that this time is going to be any different? Exactly. Right? So you just get a little and, bit better yeah. with that. Uh-huh. That alone, that alone uh, gives you confidence to move through those dark moments. And there are dark moments. Of course there are. Yeah. And the I point mean, is not to do away with them. It's just to recognize them and be like, oh, wait, dark moment. That means bright moment at some point, you know, like uh-huh. before or after. And so hopefully both. But, um, but yeah, it's just... Usually both. Yeah. Almost necessarily both. <laughs> Right? By definition. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just such a strange, it's, it, it, 
I think it, it seems like, I think you said this at some point early in, in the classes, like, it's going to seem so obvious once you get it. And we were like, yeah, that's right. Sure. Whatever. And then I'm like, it's so obvious. Like, why don't people see this? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's just like a little button that you click. It's, it's really hard to do away with, though, once you've opened that Pandora's box, it's like forever there. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's no is. way I can think in black and white anymore. <laughs> uh uh. No. And, and when you see it, it's almost painful. You're like, ouch. <laughs> Why are you doing things that way? Yeah. You know, I, have, I, have, I, I know people that have been struggling with the same issues for decades, and the answers to their, to their problems are right in front of them. And you're like, it's the answer to your problems right in front of you. And they're like, yes, but my pain, my pain. And then 10 years later, they're still like, my pain. And you're like, the answer's still right in front of you. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, it's, but at the same time, I don't want to be like, oh, it's so easy because it's not. But, but the, yeah. I think it starts with communication. It starts with just being, like you said, more mindful or maybe self-aware. And then... Once you have at least that of like, well, I am being negative or I am being optimistic or whatever you are being, then recognizing yeah. that there are certain communication paths that are easier than others, that there are people that are more prone to having the same kind of open and vulnerable and genuine exchanges with you. That's, yeah. you know, even if you were in a negative place and all of the thoughts that you're having are negative, like there will be people who are still open to sharing that state of being yeah. with you. And I think that's just like the easy first, quote unquote easy, um, first step to to seeing the solution that's some maybe right in front of you. Absolutely. Well, as human beings, we're all connected in some way or another. We're all connected and we can connect in our joy. We can connect in our pain. We can connect in all kinds of things, right? In all kinds of different ways. And, but, and so it's not the joy or the pain. It's the connection that matters. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because I've had moments when I'm just in I'm feeling miserable and I connect with somebody else who's like, yeah, I feel miserable, too. And that itself makes us feel both better. better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then it's like misery plus misery equals joy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Um, how does that work? Joy plus joy equals joy. You know, it, it, it's, it's uh, but the thing is that I, I actually it, it's really interesting that the, the very simple obvious kind of observation but light dispels darkness not mm -hmm. the other way around yeah right and and so and, and you know you combine that with these things like the obstacle is the path now all of a sudden there is no darkness anymore there's variations of shading sure yeah. um but there's no there's no real darkness per se because even the darkness is a prelude to light yeah and and that is that's a beautiful thing and that's a, like that is a beautiful thing it is but it's like the perfect place to end this conversation <laughs> um yeah i mean we'll definitely have other conversations in the future if you're up for it absolutely sure um i hope you guys enjoyed our rambles if you have any questions um you can get um to me on twitter at christine wild underscore and i can relay that um to chris if you have questions for him And, um, yeah, thanks so much for, for the yeah. chat. Yeah, I invite your listeners to check out um, AuthenticTantra.com. Yes, um, the link is, will be in the my, bio. That's my wife's uh, project. Yes. And there's some really profound, awesome stuff. I'll make sure that I point you all uh, in her direction in the description of this episode. And I hope that you guys listen to us very soon. So bye.